0: Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi, uh, our show host in a partnership with the CAP Center at UCSB, and I am joined today by Dr. Jessica Johnson, who has graciously hung with me as uh, the parent of a newborn who's totally messing up his schedule. Uh, I was, I, I, Anyway, we had a snafu, and I'm now in, in Dr. Johnson's debt for life because uh, they were willing to stick with me. So, Dr. Johnson, thanks for being here. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate your grace and patience. Um, We're going to talk today about your recent piece at Religion Dispatches on Christianity Today's The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Uh, But before we do that, I want to make sure people know who you are. So you're a visiting scholar at uh, William & Mary, and uh, you're also the author of Biblical Porn, Affect, Labor, and Pastor Mark Driscoll's Evangelical Empire. Um, And so obviously right on topic for what we're going to talk about I kind of think you're the the scholar, best position in the world to talk about the rise and fall of Mars Mars Hill, the podcast from Christianity Today. Let me ask you this. You wrote biblical porn a couple years ago. Your research obviously started before that. What kind of work did you do to kind of Uh, embed yourself within, you know, the Mark Driscoll Evangelical Empire?
1: (laughs) So it's a long story. Um, I'll try to be as brief as possible. But basically in 2006 is when I started my uh, ethnographic fieldwork. I'm trained in anthropology. Um, And I was actually not there to investigate the Evangelical Empire that would be. Um, I was there actually doing dissertation fieldwork for my... um, doctorate uh, research on same-sex marriage politics. And I was looking at both sides of the issue, not advocating for or against one way or another, but interested at different groups uh, mobilizing around that issue in Seattle. And I heard about Mars Hill because It's an interesting place. Um, People were saying that it was a somewhat liberal church at the time that I started my field work. So again, early 2000s, um, they'd had some local coverage that was fairly positive. They were attracting really young congregants, um, a nice blend of both men and women, um, university students. So um, I was curious just to see what they were about because they weren't actually protesting against The legalization of what was then called same-sex marriage or gay marriage right so um so i was just like all right let me go to this church and see what's happening and um the story that i tell on occasion and that starts off my book or comes comes a little bit later into the book but basically is the first service i attended um, the Talladega Nights, um, Bobby, uh, you know, <laughs> Bobby, um, that, that joke, right, about um, his wife, his smoking hot wife, and I saw the gesture of Driscoll talking about his own wife, and I've told this story before, so I'll just like skip ahead and just say that, you know, the sexualized environment, basically, of the church really fascinated me. Um, And, you know, not only just because I wasn't expecting it, but I was thinking, wow, what an interesting way to think about what I'm investigating (laughs) with marriage, right? Um, So here you think of this very conservative, theologically speaking church, um, you know, then invested in this really kind of, you know, somewhat seemingly sex positive, of course, within heterosexual Christian marriage, sex positive kind of teaching. Um, And so I thought, well, this will be a fascinating place for me to spend some more time. And in long story short, I basically just became very invested in it because it, it turned out to be in some ways more interesting than my actual dissertation <laughs> research. So so there's a really long chapter in my dissertation about Mars Hill. Um, and I wound up, once I finished my, my doctorate work in 2010, um, I was in Seattle for a year and then moved away on a visiting fellowship, teaching fellowship in Miami. And while I was away, I kept um, looking at the church and looking at what they're doing online, downloading sermons, downloading different kinds of men's ministry, women's ministry. And when I was doing my field work, by the way, I was not only going to sermons every Sunday, but I was also going to gender and sexuality seminars most of which were women only in the spaces that I was in. Every now and again, there would be a, a both men and women event, um, as well as gospel classes, as the, which were required for membership at that time, um, Bible classes to learn about the way that the, the church was teaching about Calvinism. So I was really interested in just sort of like in, immersing myself in, in that place. And I did not have the... Uh, ability through my institution to do any kind of formal interviews. So everything I was doing was in the public realm. But what was really interesting about Mars Hill, because they were so – good and sophisticated in terms of their media content and the way that they would disseminate it, um, I was able to just kind of download and keep track of so much online, so much. So all the men's ministry teaching, right? All these film and theology nights that they would do. I mean, just tons and tons of content. It was, it was really overwhelming, but it was a, a boon for someone who was doing ethnographic field work and research. Um, and so anyway, then I returned from Miami to back to Seattle in 2012, And that's when things started getting extremely interesting because some pastors started coming forward and publishing things on their own websites um, or sometimes on blogs about some uh, dissent, some disciplinary problems, getting shunned, their families getting exiled from the church. Um, firings happening, et cetera. And some of this was happening while I was actually there. It was kind of under the wraps, you know? So if you were in an insider, you knew it was happening. But basically in 2007 is when a lot, a big kind of upheaval happened, whereby bylaw changes within the church changed the governance structure such that um, there was an executive board. And so all of this power, basically decision-making power within the church was um, concretized between three people. Um, you know Driscoll, of course, and then two handpicked men by him. Um, so, so when that happened, one pastor got fired. A couple others that were um, prominent at that time got severely marginalized and it basically just kind of you know faded into the background. Um, And in 2012, 2013, more and more pastors and also members started coming forward with their stories um, about controlling disciplinary practices, about, again, these shunning practices, um, about just really um, bullying leadership within the church, um, and so the, the, the good press that had been happening was starting to unravel a bit. Um, and so, you know, it, it turned into, it turns out an opportunity for me because here I was back in Seattle and, um, and I was able to finally get the interviews that I wanted, um, around 2014.
0: Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more.